Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the WBNS FM studios in Columbus. This is the Nerd Association podcast. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett. And there's no surprise today. You know that we're going to be talking about the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And you know that because last week I had my brother from another mother on to talk about it. And Eric Barnett joins us once again today, this time not on the road doing actively unsafe things talking on the phone while driving right uh eric you are you are back uh, back in your home studio today yes yeah i wouldn't say completely unsafe i am like juggling uh chainsaws but other than that we're (laughs) impressively quietly at that yeah they're not on they're they're air chainsaws (laughs) (laughs) and you know speaking of doing uh something uh dangerously but adeptly fellas what do you think of when i say you're out of your mind bruce wayne oh man the snyder cut it's okay the first thing i have to say is it's better than the theatrical cut that wasn't uh, something i I mean, it wasn't a very high bar to clear, but it wasn't something I was fully expecting, especially with the runtime. Yeah. But as I was watching it, I was probably two hours in and I looked over at uh, Jen and I was like, you know what? This isn't boring and not, and it's not that bad. I'm actually enjoying this. So I also wasn't sure what to expect because, uh, you know, you've heard about Batman v Superman. You heard about Man of Steel. Uh, frankly, that and with that in the Justice League's reception, I thought, you know, Zack Snyder might not know how to make a superhero movie. This might be what we're learning. I'll come out right now and say I thought it was a triumph. I I bought I was interested in every minute of it. When we'll talk about the specific things that we had problems with in the theatrical cut, you know, talk about comparisons. But I was really impressed and I, I was into it. I was like, I understand why you needed the time. I appreciate what you did here. And I was glad I was glad Zack Snyder got a chance to kind of redeem his reputation with these movies because had he gotten to do make his creative vision the way he saw it in the first place, we wouldn't have had conversations about how bad Justice League was, period. We would have been talking about how it was giving Marvel's movies a run for their money, I think. I was going to say, I think it is important, though, to point out that even if he would have been able to complete it, you know, family tragedy never happened and he didn't have to step away from the movie we wouldn't have gotten this four hour cut in theaters. Warner brothers would not have done that in 2017. No, we would have had two or, you know, clearly he had three or four movies in mind when he made Mm -hmm. even this one. I think we would have gotten two movies. Eric, what I I believe your response was as positive. Yes. Well, going in, I was expecting to not hate it as much. I, I hated Batman V Superman. And then the director's cut, made me not hate it as much because it sort of filled in some of the blanks. And I was like really curious. I'm like, it's going to be a slightly better train wreck. And I was unprepared how thoroughly I enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I Again, like you, I did not expect. We talked about this some last week, but like when you went into uh, Avengers Infinity War and Af- Avengers Endgame, Marvel had spent 20-odd movies building up to this huge event. And you were willing to give then, yeah, Endgame's three and a half hours long, but people were excited for it. I mean, they were ready for it. They were like, yes, yes. we need this. It's going to be necessary to wrap it up. And I quite frankly think, as my, I love Endgame. I think it's a really wonderful movie. I kind of think this movie was better paced I thought it made really great use of the t- the long time period. It definitely could have been done over two movies. But I didn't expect to appreciate every moment and its necessity in the way that I just thought it was going to be masturbation. <laughs> and it wasn't. It was really something. The thing that's different about this in Endgame is this feels like one story just being told over a really long movie, whereas Endgame is, I mean, it's the completion of it, but it's the completion of different stories and the the characters are apart a lot and you feel like you're going, well, what's going on over here? And then you have to go and you have to spend 15 minutes with this, you know, other set of characters or so, and then you learn what they're doing and then you go back to what Iron Man and that group is doing. You kind of bounce around until it all comes back together. This movie is more cohesive in the sense that the main characters are 
together the whole time. At least once they get once they get the band back together, they they have everything going on there. I thought the interesting thing was Joss Whedon, you know, famously finished the theatrical cut and he did what he was supposed to do. It just wasn't any good. But I thought it was, in, you know, he's he's famous more for being a showrunner. And then this one feels more like it's a miniseries because they, you know, put the two movies into one running time and then they cut it up into six or seven parts or whatever, plus an epilogue. And it felt more, I mean, you could really watch this as like episodes and yeah. that's probably the better way to do it. I did it in mostly one sitting. We, we took a break in the middle, but I mean, we watched it all on one day. So I, I will, last thing on my first impressions of it, I was very concerned when the first five minutes and 20 seconds was just Superman screaming. And then there wasn't dialogue until six and a half minutes in. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with cops with what you're saying about like the episodic nature of it. It's, it is more like a, like a mini series than a movie being the length and the, the way you can like watch it in different ways. And to me, it also kind of felt like, you know, Marvel, you know, as much as they have magic and and aliens and all this kind of stuff, it's it's set a lot more in sort of a real world um, where just fantastical things happen. Like this movie seemed less like going for realism and more like it was trying to make the comic itself come alive. Mm -hmm. It seemed very like, uh, I don't know, like kind of Jim Lee-ish like DC comics just put out on like even an enhanced like cartoon in a way. I mean, I know, I know some of the uh, special effects couldn't get finished the way you would, you know, want if it were a Marvel movie. But to me, it was like, I had to get rid of this thing where I wanted it to happen in a real world and watching it that way. It, it seemed more like a comic book coming to life than Marvel doing like, Oh, real world has these characters in it, you know. But but I think the the Snyder cut does that more adeptly than like the theatrical cut because the theatrical cut opens up with maybe of the two of them the most comic booky looking one. I mean, it just looks like one of those like '90s Batman movies that first oh, yeah. scene that Josh Whedon did, and that one just is a little too cheesy and out there, I think. Uh, but they they balance it a lot better in this Snyder cut. Seems like the the Whedon movie just failed in everything. It 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 did attempt to do things. It attempted to take that four hour thing and really make it two hours and yeah. add the Marvel. I think there was like probably a note from up above where it was like, oh, BVS and uh, and the and Man of Steel were like too dark and Marvel does this humor and you better throw some of that in there. And it just seems like everything they attempted to add or change in that theatrical just was a fail on every I'm inclined to say and I don't know man after watching you know the theatrical cut which I can we just call it the Whedon cut from now on I think that's easier probably sure. makes more sense Justice um, oh gosh <laughs> it kind of makes you feel like Joss Whedon wanted that movie to fail I really mean that I really think he used it as a vehicle to give Marvel a big middle finger because he wasn't asked back. We talked about how the Whedon cut, there's no context for so many things, how mm -hmm. it makes terrible use of the time that it has. And then watching the th all that was removed from, that, that Snyder didn't put any of that stuff in, that, that Whedon came in and added it later. Why? Like the ma <laughs> the makings of an a movie that you edit together were there. I, granted, it would be hard to condense two hour, four hours into two hours, but he just added so much. That's masturbation. Joss Whedon masturbated publicly for all of us, which I'm sure is not that far off of what he enjoys doing with his personal <laughs> life. And that's what the theatrical cut was. It was just us having to watch him fap in public, and I am offended by it, quite frankly, having seen what the true the original vision was. The baffling thing about the Whedon cut is, okay, yes, that first scene where Batman captures one of the parademons and it blows up and there's the, it doesn't make any sense. There's the three mother boxes after in its blood, but it makes sense as far as what Joss Whedon was there to do. He made a scene at the beginning of the movie that let them cut out like 30 minutes of the, the Snyder cut. 
that was the point of what he was supposed to add. But then there are confusing scenes where he just reshot things to add little jokes in yes. scenes that were already shot. They completely reshot like almost all of the thing where Bruce Wayne meets up with Aquaman for no reason other for other than for him to add jokes in. And yes. most of them don't even land. Eric, in the previous episode, I was so happy you brought up the line of Batman after they uh, after they fight Superman. And he's like, oh, that, that really hurts. And he's like, man, and it's like, Batman isn't, you know, Xander Harris from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He doesn't make little quips once the fight is over. He's Batman. He's stoic, and he never his his superpower is being rich. He's never going to say something like that. On the note of the uh, of the Aquaman scene and his superpower being rich too, Bruce Wayne flies there in a billion dollar jet, and he's a billionaire, and he offers them twenty five thousand dollars for information. <laughs> I like it much better in the Snyder Cut where he just pulls out a wad of cash and just that talks for him. Because when he actually says the number out loud, it sounds ridiculous. And this, in the Snyder Cut, he like hikes over the mountains to get there, too. You yes. know what I mean? He doesn't he doesn't just come in flagrantly. Every single character was improved by the Snyder Cut. Characters, you know, we talked a little bit about how like Aquaman was not wasn't even necessary to the the Whedon Cut. He wasn't. I loved I loved what they did with what Snyder did with the character in his cut. I thought it gave him a character arc. It made him a it gave him the qualities that defined him instead of just being a vehicle for snark. Somehow they toned down the bro, and I'm I'm not sure like exactly everything that they did, but it just seemed like in the Whedon cut it was just, it was just bro. It was yeah. they took the the Thor thing and they took the dude bro ishness of that. And just turned it up to 15. And somehow they reined it back and made it so where I I don't know who could possibly watch the weed and cut and not hate Aquaman. Yeah. Right. Or just or just think he's unnecessary. <laughs> oh, this guy again. You know, that's how you feel every time he talks, which is crazy because Jason Momoa, by all accounts, is a really charismatic, fun guy. Yeah. So you can make then then the Snyder Cut proves it. You can take that and have those you know those likenesses to him to aquaman played by jason momoa and it works but you gotta you can't do the weird the end of the matrix where you just throw in a rock song because it's cool and yeah. he's a badass and stuff like that you know there has to be a you have to do a little bit more subduing to it and i think they and they add a lot more character with him by having him meet up with more atlantans and that helps a lot with him so you get him because the biggest detriment for aquaman is the fight where uh steppenwolf gets the mother box right. from the atlantans a in right. the snyder cut there's a lot more context to it the fight's a lot longer instead it like it's cut in half literally yeah in the whedon cut and in then the, the aquaman just shows up and's like oh i guess that's over yeah in the snyder it's that fight that like convinces him to take up the throne again and and the whole thing it's just it's context everything that the whedon cut lacked by cutting out what it did another thing i i keep feeling all over the whedon cut is studio notes yeah not only like the the tone you know where they say like oh there wasn't jokes in the other two but the whole scene about you know superman the being filmed by a kid on the cell phone they're like, oh, we got to make Superman into this widely universally liked hero. And and it seemed like that was a studio note as well. You yeah. know, all the, you know, where the, all the bad mustache stuff was. I, I Can I say one more thing about Aquaman just before we get too yeah. far away from that? The thing that I think was perfect in the Snyder Cut, you know, Aquaman historically is, the, is, is like ragged on so hard for being uncool. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that they did that I thought was brilliant was the Whedon cut made him a bro and it didn't make sense and it didn't drive and it was stupid. The Snyder cut made him a surf dude, which makes perfect sense and <laughs> is the way that you make Aquaman a cool character, right? You make him a like a surfer bro. And <laughs> that makes sense. And in fact, in the scene where like I I I uh, ragged on it last week because there's that scene where he like gets launched and he, he does some cool stuff with the pentant. I found out, by the way, it's called a quintant, not a trident, a quintant. And uh, okay. and then he ends that scene by, like, riding the, the corpse of the bug down through the building and then, like, jumping off of it. And I was like, oh, that's just, like, a Legolas ripoff? Well, when you think about it in the context of him being a surfer dude, no, he was surfing on the corpse. And it suddenly <laughs> makes something like sense that they would do that joke, right? 
even the Whedon cut takes like what a scene that works in the Snyder cut and they, they chop off the, the beginning. So you don't really get that. He saved this sailor, right? He just like comes into the bar, drops a guy who's soaking wet onto the ground, takes a bottle of whiskey and then walks away to rock music. And yeah. you're like, what is the scene even about? It's so dumb. What is the point of this? So, and then the, although in the Snyder cut, that's one drawback for me. I didn't need the, the weird, like, chorus uh like the guy who is it happened at that moment and it also happened when lois lane first visited the superman monument yeah where it's like they told us the gods wouldn't die yeah. they <laughs> lied and you're like okay zach you know you're, you're getting a little too snidery for me pull it back in yeah those two music drops were definitely like i was thinking that even the first time watching it before i was thinking about you know recording a podcast with you fellas like I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, this could have gone. I mean, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three hours and 58 minutes. I'm happy they took away the rock music, like super music drop for Aquaman, but it yeah. could have just been more of a, like a normal score. It didn't need to be whatever miss- that was. <laughs> a little bit of Danny Elfman. I, I do miss a little bit of that. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's nostalgia. I thought the, I thought the music was really, I, it, the thing. Okay. The thing about this movie that I didn't expect was just sitting there going, this is cool. I just didn't expect <laughs> to have the sort of almost childlike delight of being like, this is a cool movie. I, re- I, <laughs> I just thought, whoa, man. Sorry. I had some free hours. So I said to Jenna, I was like, hey, we're going to talk about this next week on the podcast. So I got to watch it. You want to? check out the Snyder cut and, you know, try to get through some of it. And we just, and then we just ended up watching the whole thing yeah. in, you know, one day. And it, yeah, cause you're, you're sitting there and you're like, I do want to know what happens next. And I I'm interested and yeah, it's much better than the theatrical theatrical cut in that sense, which I realize now that I never watched the full Whedon cut. Cause <laughs> I remember the opening scene with, with Superman and the kids on the, cause I was saying to Jen, I was like, I think I've seen it because like, I know that like found footage scene where he's talking to the kids on the cell phones. And then at a certain point I was like, I didn't watch past this. Yeah. I definitely turned it off. <laughs> you know, something that we never do on nerd association that we've just accidentally done is give a spoiler free review for the most part. Yeah. If you've seen the weed and cut, you know, a lot of the beats, you certainly don't know all of them. Um, is it worth saying at this point that like, hey, we accidentally did a spoiler-free review? If you've listened up to this point, you haven't seen the full, ju- you know, the Snyder cut of the Justice League. We haven't ruined anything for you. I think it's worth now ruining things for some people. Oh yeah, <laughs> Ru- ruin them. Um, so if you haven't seen it and you want to go in spoiler-free because you're, you know, weak, um, then this is your point. <laughs> this is your point. I'm saying that as a person who loves spoilers, but this is your point <laughs> to go watch it and then come back and now we're gonna release the spoiler let's cut. i mean just let's take the gloves off if we if we were if we were accidentally boxing with the gloves on let's take them off and uh and talk some specifics about the change the changes the good things the bad things i think if we're gonna do that where we need to start is jumping off of what you were saying about aquaman because no character was better served than cyborg yes from cut to cut yes cyborg gets so much he's you know he's just kind of like there and like you need his abilities for certain points but there's no context and no character to him in the whedon cut he's the one who has like the complete arc in this yeah (laughs) it's yeah it's sort of his movie yeah what i think is really wonderful i i was thinking about this and i know that like we can't paint with too broad of a brush I think this is a thing with dc superheroes more than marvel superheroes and i think it's why they are different properties which is that DC superheroes almost exclusively are defined by tragedy. They have become a superhero or have decided to fight crime in some way because of personal tragedy. Batman, Bruce Wayne, is is the perfect example. But even Superman is the last... Wait, what ser- happened to Batman? Uh, well, I've never uh, gone over that in a movie. Yeah. Nothing about Martha. Martha! Um... <laughs> Even Superman's the last survivor of his race. Like, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a pretty heavy thing. Um, mm-hmm. Barry Allen, like the reason he doesn't get his powers because of tragedy, but the reason he wants to fight crime is because his dad's falsely accused of killing his mother. Right. 
That's a double whammy on that one. Right. Aquaman, same situation. He's the, the son of a, a goddess and a human and ni- and doesn't fit into either world. So I think so. In a, Cyborg, you're right, is almost his movie because he becomes the the present embodiment of that personal trauma that makes them who they are and coping with that trauma or not channeling it maybe is the better way of phrasing it instead of coping with it. And I thought his, his character became so much more relatable, empathetic, you know, in the, in the theatrical cut, I, that was what I was missing. I really wanted to know more about that character and care more about that character. And they never quite got there. His father and the whole, I mean, the way that he is connected, like directly connected to the plot. Yes. I mean, yeah, it, it's funny that like this is coming out around the same time as WandaVision because the way Wanda Maximoff is connected to the Infinity Stone and it's it's a very parallel. Yeah. Well, I said last week, Cyborg is like Vision in that sense that he's in oh, yeah, he's yeah. created of the MacGuffin. Yes. And when they bring more into his character, it this is you know more of just like the superhero aspect. You understand his powers more because they right. give him more time. Whereas he's like a cyborg Sue in the Whedon cut, <laughs> where it's just like, oh, he can do whatever you need him to do next, and there's yeah. really no there's no no limits that we know of his abilities. I I will say this with Cyborg, while the extra context of his dad not coming to his uh, football game and his, him and his mom being in the car wreck, that's good stuff. The football scene is absurd and ridiculous, <laughs> and I have to talk about it. So they show they show the ref standing on the sideline. He's by the, the first down sticks, and it's third down. Yeah. Okay, it's third down. Then they show the scoreboard, and it's fourth down, and there's 18 seconds left. It's fourth and one. They have no timeouts left. <laughs> Calling a play-action pass in that scenario is ridiculous because even if you did – why would the defense bite on that? What, they, they don't care about you getting the first down. They care about you getting a touchdown. There's only 18 seconds left, and you don't have any timeouts. So that's ridiculous, number one. <laughs> then somehow it takes him 12 seconds after the play fake to roll out. Now there's only six seconds left in the game, so of course he has to take off. And he ends up scoring, which just proves you Wisconsin sucks even in the DCEU. But the play call <laughs> is, is bad. For somebody who's a genius quarterback, you think he would have audibled out of that and had the coach not call that play. Chops, let me just say that I would listen to the Nerd Association podcast where you explain for an hour and a half to Daniel – that one play. <laughs> I mean, honestly, what, what a down is in football. Well, okay, <laughs> no, wait a minute. I know that, but I will say, you know, you might be onto something that we could do a nerd association where, where we talk about how poorly sports is portrayed in non-sports films. <laughs> yes. Um, can I tell you? Do you remember Eric last week? I I had great issue with the lowest lane narration being the thing that closed out the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it was it, it, it just did. It came out of nowhere. It was unearned. I don't have a problem with Lois Lane or Amy Adams, but I just did. It just didn't fit. Right. Having Silas Stone's cassette tape from earlier in the film. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's a it's a repurposed speech, so it's not just like this weird tacked on thing that you can just make say whatever you want you have to make it make sense for the tape made for his son yeah and for wrapping up the end of the movie which is difficult piece to write so good on you Zack Snyder it was I thought it was magnificent this I this movie made me feel things in a way again that I did not expect going into it and that was certainly one of those scenes I was trying the last episode I was trying the whole time not to spoil every time you'd say Ellen I hated this and I'm just like well (laughs) hold on and that's why I even made it a point to say, like, who is Steppenwolf? Yeah. What does he want to do? Why does he want to do it? What are the mother boxes? Why are they there? I mean, there, there is just zero context to anything. You know, I would like to find anyone in this world who has seen both cuts of this movie and, you know, says the Whedon cut is better. Yeah. And if they, be, if they yeah. did, they wouldn't mean it. They would only be saying it because they were like a Whedon stan or whatever. Or Joss Whedon himself. <sighs> yeah. The, you were talking about the Steppenwolf backstory. Having Darkseid be in this movie, make an appearance, be the looming doom was so effective. I thought they could have cut out uh, like Desaad or whatever. 
but I guess they wanted that. So they wanted the, it, it to hit harder right. when Stefan will finally talk to dark side. So, I mean, decide is technically a villain, but there's, yeah, it's really only just the two. Yeah. He decides just kind of a middleman there, which Stefan was kind of a middleman too, but you get that through, you know, context, not just what he's doing. Uh, and I had commented that, you know, the only real drama in the Whedon cut was when Superman didn't remember who he was. And I meant that about that movie. The only time there was actual drama and stakes that you could believe was when Superman was going ham. Uh, this movie, this movie delivered on bringing us more tense moments. And can I tell you what I loved? I, I won't say that I was sexually aroused by it, but boy, was I close. <laughs> When the unity happened and Superman's flesh was melted off of his stupid bones for the <laughs> first time. No, but listen, for the first time in a piece of media, Superman, like even when he gets stabbed with kryptonite, you're like, whatever. For the first time, he wasn't the one that was the savior of all mankind. He got melted to dust with the rest of them. And it was our boy, Barry Allen, who got to do, you know, when Superman flies and makes the, the world spin backwards and it turns time back. I get that <laughs> that what Barry Allen d did doesn't, science doesn't bear that out either. But you could at least, they have built, they had built up to this in the movie that he doesn't break the speed of light, that time dilations and weird stuff happens. And they let our boy Barry Allen, the little Jewish kid from Central City, they let him be the one that was like, actually, I'm going to turn back time and I'm going to save Superman. Well, I also look at it as a little more believable because it almost feels like more like the flash is going back in time. He doesn't turn time back for everybody. He goes back in time and changes yeah. that moment, which changes then the future. But like the, the concept of, it also lets the Flash be good at the thing the Flash is good at, right? They in the I hated that in the Whedon cut. Yes. That there's like this idea that Superman might be faster than him. I like the idea that Superman is fast enough to be near the same level right. and hit and try to fight him. Correct. But you can even see in that scene when they're fighting that the Flash is still faster. Right. The Flash needs to be faster. Otherwise, what's the point? And that's what I always say about Superman. It's like, I, I agree with you. The scene where like he could keep his eyes on the Flash while he was moving fast and he could, like, throw a punch and the Flash could get out of the way. But in the mm -hmm. part where he's, like, Superman's being the Boy Scout and saving a whole building of people and he's flying as fast as a Flash made me so angry because Superman let somebody else have something. <laughs> well, this the Snyder Cut was very good about giving everybody something to do. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one thing that as soon as you have a team of this size, and especially when you have ones that are overpowered like Superman and versus no powers like Batman, you get to a point where some people just don't have things to do when you have bad writing. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Have you ever seen the joke that it's like the justice league flies in a jet just because Batman's the leader and like none of them need to do that. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, the flash could just run there yeah. in a second and instead, no, I'll, I'll go on. Bruce's jet that we have to fix in order to get there, even though we don't. It's only for Bruce, really. But I guess they have to use it to get through the force field, so there is a reason for it in this one, but it's just funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I did like that they kept the line, like, what's your superpower? Well, I'm rich. Because they, they, yes. that does need to be said. And I, I appreciated, Eric, we made a special point of talking about the line where he's like, well, how'd you do it? He's like, oh, I bought the bank. And how in the Whedon cut, there's this like little quip that follows it. That's like, oh, I guess I have a bad habit of doing that. <laughs> and in this one, it's just no, it's no Bruce Wayne said, does the thing Bruce Wayne would do is like, well, I bought the bank End statement yeah. full stop, which is like, <laughs> to me, it's, it's funny because I feel like if a billionaire bought a bank, any size, it's like news. And like Batman just bought a bank to like save his friend's house. And like, that would be like the market would like react to this. And it's just nothing. He could just pay off the mortgage. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought about that. Like it would. I mean, I get that. Like Bruce Wayne is the the big showy billionaire, but like, couldn't you have just paid off the mortgage? Although maybe that maybe that's, that's the, the point. That's the logical problem with the movie. You found it. <laughs> well, you know what though, chops. Maybe that's the point. Is if Bruce Wayne pays off one woman's farm mortgage, mm -hmm. that connects them too closely, right? Speaking, this is a run thing wrong with the Snyder Cut that doesn't make any sense of connection to that house 
because Mar- Martha shows up when Lois and Superman go back to the house. Yes. And she seems to know what's going on or, you know, be in tune with, with what's happening. But Martha's scene where she meets up with Lois Lane in this one isn't Martha. Right. It's Martian Manhunter. So that doesn't make any sense. The, it, the scene with Martha and Lois Lane is much better in the Snyder Cut than the one with the weird workplace misogyny thrown in yeah. in at the you know the newsroom or whatever but it doesn't make any sense because why did you have to make that martian manhunter that uh, then it completely undercuts that well acted scene um well her showing up at the farm makes sense because you know superman coming back to life would be the headline across the world so it makes sense that she might think he that's where he would go but they show her leaving it when it's foreclosed where did she go i don't know that's a good question. Because she doesn't go to Metropolis. Yeah. I mean, presumably, because it's not her, the real right. her, who meets up with Lois. So, I don't know, a little bit of a plot hole there. And I think it was just to really, you know, shoehorn Martian, Martian Manhunter into the movie a little bit more. Because that's one of the only additional scenes that was filmed for this. Yeah. That one at the very end. Yeah. Um, I was, so Martian Manhunter, I was grew up on the Justice League cartoon. You know, and so that was my I never really read the comics, but I like was exposed to DC through the cartoons and Martian Manhunter was always one of my favorites. I just thought he was super cool. So it was when he revealed himself in that scene, I was just like, yes, yes. And then he didn't come back until the (laughs) until the (laughs) epilogue. And I was disappointed. It kind of broke my heart a little bit. Well, I like that it was the guy all the way from Man of Steel, like the general. Yeah. I it it does make you sad. It does make you kind of hope that at this point Warner Brothers there's enough of a positive reception of Snyder Cut that they let him make those movies. Which he certainly like he's this the epilogue was certainly his application for that, right? Mhm. Yeah. I hope they let him cuz there's there's so much good stuff to do there. Like <laughs> Yeah, for for once I liked a DC movie and that that in itself was a feat. Yeah. So yeah, why why would they why would they take I would say this is probably the best reaction they've got from anyone on yeah. any of their movies. And why would they take that and be like, "Nah, I won't print money just because I'm embarrassed that I screwed up." Yeah, like what the hell? <laughs> yeah, and by all accounts, you know, the actors in this movie seem to be behind Zack Snyder, so I think you'd have a pretty good chance getting most of the team back together and right. doing it that way. Well, and and many of them, not all of them, but many of them have, of course, signed on for solo projects since then. So mm-hmm. I just, I, yeah, you're, you're putting, you put it the best by saying like, why wouldn't you print money? Yeah. You find, you finally have done something right with a DC property. Why would you not make the two more movies that people would pay good money to go see? <laughs> that was always the, I've heard this uh, point brought up and it makes sense. Like, why would you not want the Zack Snyder cut to be two movies? Right. Then you could have just released two movies and made, you know, presumably around $2 billion. Yeah, that, that's, that's what's well, fine. That sounds like an idea. Yeah, that's Infinity what... War Endgame hadn't happened yet. So, I mean, yeah. they didn't have, like, the proof in the market. I suppose. Aside from, like, Empire and Return of the Jedi that you can end one movie on, like, the heroes losing and then do the other one, you know? But it's not yeah. as though Hollywood movies are shy about setting up a sequel. Like it's you know it's not as though that's a thing that they that they don't do yeah I that's the thing we said that last week like you could make two huge blockbuster movies why would you say no and they <laughs> could and, and the thing that then boggles the mind is I mean how bad is Warner Brothers depart like marketing department where they can't predict that within two years. Endgame Avengers is going to do it. Like, why can't you predict that two years ahead of time that you can make two huge movies and make money, money off of them? Yeah, and it also wasn't like they were done with this. They uh, they had Aquaman and another Wonder Woman play. You know, they had other right. movies in this DCEU planned to come out. So it's not like you were just. It's not like they were just cutting bait and they were like, let's just get this Justice League one done and then we're done with it. They were already continuing with it and already had movies probably in pre production at that point or maybe even production. And yeah, it just doesn't make any sense why they felt like they had to completely punt on the Justice League and have Joss Whedon come in and, you know, d- destroy it by adding in little things. But at the same time, 
they've already rebooted Batman and Joker. I mean, they don't have they they want the big tentpole MCU like universe, but it's it's like they don't have any kind of attention span or anything to like keep it going. Well, they don't have a Kevin Feige behind it all. This much is true. People like to complain about Disney, right? People like to make a stink about Disney buying up all these big properties and making all these movies. Obviously, Marvel and Star Wars are two different examples of it being done well and being done, uh, some would say, less than well. Although, let's talk about The Mandalorian. But, you know, I guess it's just we, we take for granted that Disney must just have geniuses and God on their side. Like, <laughs> because Warner Brothers is making it look very difficult when it should be easy. It should be easy to print money with movies like these. People will go see them. Even when they're bad, they'll go see them. So, like, why wouldn't you give mm -hmm. the reins to somebody who's willing to make you four really good movies? Yeah, the other thing, too, like, you try to, like, spot out the differences and – there's really not like enough differences to to really lead to you thinking why DCEU should be failing. You know, you're thinking about like the actors. I think with maybe the exception of there's people who really, really dislike the Jared Leto Joker. I think all the actors do a good job playing all these characters. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's a director who's in charge of the big ones in Zack Snyder, at least there was, and that's similar to Marvel. Yeah, it just comes down to, like I said, I think they just don't have anybody at the top trying to keep things in line and they let it get away from them. They let it go to things that are off topic of building the DCEU. And then here we are with just a bunch of movies of characters they own, but now they don't even link up. I'm just grateful that streaming plus pandemic let this happen. Yeah. Like I, I this, I don't think this and social media, you have to throw okay. that in there, but I don't think this could happen in another time. No, I just think you'd have a bad movie. And that would be the end of it. The only way is if there was weird, like uh, contractual reasons that they might own the footage because like, uh, I don't know what happened, but clearly Ridley Scott owns some sort of copyright because Blade Runner has like four official releases. Yeah. Well, and they finally went back and did the, uh, you know, the Richard Donner cut of like Superman one and two. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there is a bit of a precedent, but like, the fact that, you know, the, the streaming service came along and it's like, I need a big thing because we're starting up the streaming service and just like all the all the stars aligned on this one, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and then that's the thing that, that, you know, we were talking about, like, could the people at Warner Brothers not figure out the marketing like that? That was brilliant. That was genius. How launch your streaming service on yeah. the idea that you're going to take movies instead of you're going to release yeah. them to theater and the streaming service at the same time. One, two, there's going to be, as you put it, the big tent pole of the Snyder cut being the like big thing that people will subscribe to HBO Max for because they can't get it any other way. That's genius. Where were those ideas four years ago? I it, like I said, it just, I'm an idiot. Yeah, you, you and feel I like it would have been out. released. <laughs> you feel like it would have been released like this or maybe as a miniseries or they would have found something to do if they had HBO Max at the time. They obviously always had HBO, which had a streaming service, but it was attached to, you know, just basically the, cable. the television channel. Yeah. So I don't know why they didn't think they, they could do that. The streaming has come a long way since 2017. So that's a big part of it as well. But it, yeah, the, the decisions they made to do with this property and that was basically finished and better than what they came up with are confusing. Yeah. It just seems like there's, there's some executives at Warner Brothers that don't want people to know how wrong they were. I suppose. And do you think, too, that, you know, you were talking about the perfect storm of the pandemic and, you know, streaming services being what they are and the Internet do you think that uh, the sort of the the behind the scenes stuff about Joss Whedon coming out in the last year or so has had anything to do with them being like, you know, we could distance ourselves from him if we uh, if we yeah. let Zack Snyder do this? Um, because my understanding is that Joss Whedon is now essentially blacklisted in Hollywood. And so do you think that they were afraid that if they that they took something away from Whedon, that all the Whedon stands would revolt that the nerds would rise up i don't know well i'm sure it didn't hurt 
Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it could have played some role. And now Zack Snyder is such a sympathetic character, and he he's as this has gone on the like marketing push for for him for this has gone like spot on for him as well as he's like called out like the toxic people yeah. in the release the Snyder cut corner of the internet and stuff like that. So he's done a great job. I, I hope if they make a sequel that they don't have to put it in four by three. We haven't talked about that <laughs> yet. I think that has something to do with the IMAX cut or something. I don't know exactly, but they could have found a way to make it fit the correct dimensions, but okay, well, four by three movie. It, At least we didn't have to do the black and white version, which I hear they're thinking of releasing as well. I, my understanding is that in fact it is it is as close to the IMAX ratio as you would get on a normal television set. Um, mm-hmm. I once that was explained to me, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, it was different, of course. It, I wondered at first. I didn't think about the IMAX ratio being that much different, and so I was like. Why are they like squaring it up like an old fashioned tube television? But then I understood yeah. that in fact it was because that. Texted the... me when you started watching it. <laughs> yeah, was it? Well, yeah, exactly. I was like, wait. That aspect ratio has also been like kind of a choice for like uh, like '90s movies, like period pieces, like indie flicks. Like I think of literally the one mid '90s by Jonah Hill directed that. That one's in four by three, but that decision makes sense for that movie. It's obviously a much smaller movie. That's an aspect ratio that you, you would have seen at home. Yeah, in that time period. So, like, okay, there's creative reasons to do that. For this one, I'm like, why is a superhero movie not in widescreen? <laughs> that makes no sense. Like I said, once I was explained to me that that's the IMAX ratio, I didn't have an issue with it. I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't have had an issue with it to begin with, but it is. It was jarring. I don't disagree with that, but it, it, you get to see. I don't know. That's how we wanted it framed. It would fit on an Instagram yeah. story. How about that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Release the Snyder Cut on Instagram. It's in. <laughs> It's in 12,000 different 15-second videos. I'm actually really interested, like, I don't know. We we get it all these days, so we get to the point where we want it all. I want the Snyder theatrical cut. Like, <laughs> yeah. Chop it down to a lean three hours, and you know? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere between two and a half and three hours. Can you get, can you take... An hour to 90 minutes off of the top of it. I mean, the easiest, you, you, you save probably 15 minutes right away. You can cut off the epilogue. That's not necessary. Right. To the movie. Well, I was just going to say, if you cut off uh, the epilogue, except for like the little end credits, because isn't the Silas Stone speech in the like very first part of the epilogue? But you could, you're right. You could cut off 20 to 25 minutes right away by doing that. Yeah. While we're, while we're on this notion of length and the speed of it there's three things i want to talk about with speed and how it relates to this movie yeah the first one is and i let this one slide a little bit because it's a Zack snyder film but there's too much slow motion (laughs) that's obviously something that extends the runtime Zack snyder likes it so I, i let it slide but honestly you could cut down some of that superman scream doesn't need to be five and a half minutes long it could be three minutes long there's two minutes right there at the beginning of the movie the other one is um, when I watched, I watched the Snyder Cut first and then I went back and watched the theatrical cut and it feels like you're watching a movie at like 1.25 speed when you're watching the Whedon Cut after, after watching the Snyder Cut. Like it's not only that they cut things out, but like the there's pacing. less pauses and stuff between dialogue. Like it's that quick. It, even down to the, the bomb that Wonder Woman throws up in the air yeah. has a minute countdown in the Snyder Cut and it starts at like 18 seconds. Yep. In the Whedon cut, they just turn, they just, that is bomb less time. That, that, then we can just cut out all that time. And then the last one was Barry Allen. They always show him in slow motion. I would like a, a scene where like the characters react to him doing something like, Maybe when they were uh, waking up Superman or, you know, reviving Superman, but they needed that because they, they showed the box like reversing time briefly so okay you have to but i just want a scene where they're like waiting for barry to do something and you're like they're doing it like that like slow motion lead up to it and then it goes to full speed and it just happens as i said last week one of my major criticisms and this had to do with again letting superheroes be good at the thing they're good at sometimes slow-mo is cool but i do think that there were instances where it took away from the flashes thing being that like if you, I don't think you would have gotten so mm. sick of the Flash's slow mo, which I don't think you were sick of it in general. But like, I think we could have not had any fatigue with it. 
everything if there weren't so many yeah. other characters getting slow-mo moments. And I agree with you. Yeah. It would have been cool to have one scene where the Flash gets to do the thing where uh, they're like, hey, we need you to. And he's like, pew, pew. Yeah. Done. yeah. The that, closest that you get fun. to it is when he when he runs away from Gordon. Yes. <laughs> but you don't get the end of that. You just get he disappears. Well, and you and in fact, that's ironic because the one person who should have been able yes. to disappear instantaneously was still standing there. I did like I was like, well, that's kind of rude. <laughs> in defense of slow motion, the Flash's uh, intro scene where he, you know, he's applying for the dog walking job and he saves the girl in the car accident. That seems really cool. Yes. Oh, yeah. One of the things that made it cool is that it explained that when he does things in in uh, high speed, he has to be so gentle about them. I liked that, mm -hmm. that it showed that he breaks the glass with a finger prick. Well, and he like very, very gently like wraps her arms very gently, like lowers her to the to the pavement, because if he didn't, he would just be dooming her to instantaneous death if he did it fast. Right. I, yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I've always had a problem with like the physics of, you know, Superman jumping off of a building and catching Lois one inch off of the ground. Right. Where, you know, she'd be turned to jello. Well, actually, Spider-Man, one of the Spider-Mans that actually did kill somebody, which, you know, yeah. okay. But yeah, they yeah they fixed that. Let me ask you guys something, because I think you know a little bit more about DC than I do. Okay, so there's Metropolis, there's Gotham City, there's Central City, but there's also London, there's also Russia, there's also <laughs> Wisconsin, who Gotham City U is playing in a football game. So where is New York City? Where is Chicago? Where, what are like? What is the relation? What cities did they get rid of and replace with their DC cities? And what part of our Earth is still there? Well, Met Metropolis has always been New York. Gotham has always been Chicago, even to the point where I remember in the comic books seeing a like one of the side characters in a scene wearing a Gotham Bulls jersey. <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of the Batman movies are shot in Chicago, like, uh, you know, the, the Christopher Nolan trilogy. And yeah. as far as Central City, I think it's supposed I to be St. Louis. Know. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah. Talking about uh, locations, too, in comics, this is an aside, but in the actual Death of Superman comic book, Bucyrus, Ohio, and Route 30 makes a mention, so. <laughs> Which is worth mentioning is close to where we were born yeah <laughs> that's another thing you mentioned though with marvel is marvel like it is like our world and basically it says like it kind of just went to a different direction in 2008 when iron man came out yeah whereas like yeah this dc one is like yeah it's earth you can recognize it as earth but it's not the same thing and it has not been even before you got here because yeah there's kansas but there's gotham city instead of chicago I mean, right. I think just don't think about it too hard is the answer. <laughs> I, oh, and I know that's not a satisfying answer, but I think it's like in some ways these Metropolis and Gotham are just like almost like nicknames. If you mm -hmm. if you said to somebody, if someone asked you where you were from, you said, oh, I'm from the Big Apple, you would know that they meant they were from New York, even though they never said it. And I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, they made the choices back in what, the 30s? Bob Kane. When they, Bob Kane yeah, decided so I, when he made Superman. By the way, Bob Kane, Cleveland native. When he made Superman, that he man. wanted to call it. Oh wait. Oh shoot. Yeah. No. Bob Kane was who was Superman? Jerry uh, Schuster and uh, Siegel and Schuster. That's it. They are from Cleveland. Bob Kane. Yeah. I don't know where he's from. Thank you. I would have oh, gotten man, the clap I don't back on that. Guys, that's part of the name. <laughs> <laughs> but I chops your points well taken. But I mean, it's just like. You just it's accept just, it I'm as sitting part there of and I'm world. like, I, I can accept Gotham City and Metropolis. It's fine. But then I'm like, well, then the, why is he from Kansas? There's yeah. Kansas. And you're right. There's they London. Play Wisconsin in a football game. It, it In the Whedon cut, they wouldn't say Chernobyl. They came up with another name for that disaster. In the Snyder cut, oh, they- Well, and then, there, then people were still living there, too. Well, right. But yeah, that, that dumb family in the Whedon cut, I'm so glad that was gone. That was just dumb. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, and then it made, and then it led to that Boy Scout moment with with Superman that I again made me want to just punch his stupid face. Um, Especially because Superman was brought back specifically to fight Steppenwolf, and then he's like, "Oh wait, civilians." Yeah, he's yeah. and he leaves. Like that's the whole reason you're here, man. I know is because we can't fight this guy. The civilian thing seems like a note because of so much of uh, 
the city was destroyed during Man of Steel. It's like, oh, you know, now because of that, everybody didn't like that. So now we got, mm-hmm. that seems like another Which note. Which I was, I was okay in the Snyder Cut, it just being written off as, it's a evacuated city. There's nobody here. That's fine. That that writes it off enough for me. I don't need them to be like, actually, they went out of their way to save the people in the city. Which what? There's that one family and one apartment building? Yeah. Why are those people living there? What is the industry? What are they doing? Okay, well, let's show your privilege for a second because people really do live as closer to Chernobyl than they should. That's a real yeah. thing. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so when they say, and they make a note of that, like, why would you live there? Well, sometimes you don't have a choice. I don't have a problem with that. I was just bringing up the idea that, like, they didn't want to, in the Whedon cut, they specifically called it a different disaster. They didn't want to say Chernobyl. And in the Snyder cut, they just say, well, it's not far from Moscow. It was a site of a no- nuclear disaster. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, though. Don't, like, yeah, have the people have evacuated the moment that the stinking horned alien shows up. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's what would Time have happened. <laughs> I yeah, also because well, they notice it when it first starts. Right. The Russian family. Yeah. It's, it, and then they are trying to evacuate, but right at the last second, I guess maybe where they caught under the force field. And then when it's down, that's when they can finally escape. Who knows? Maybe that's I, I get reason. I think that it's good that they didn't have to answer that question because it doesn't yes. matter. <laughs> yeah. Like I can like I said, I can just accept vacant city. Sure. Good. That's that's all I needed. If I had to tell you my biggest problem with the Snyder Cut, and I don't know problem, I guess if I had to poke holes. Oh, well, you're the, here, so we are going to ask you to, yeah. yeah. The black suit. Yes. <laughs> yep, the black suit. Why? Yep. I, was I ho- mean, it looked. I was hoping you could explain that to me. Be- and and nope. I was also perplexed by the fact that he was wearing the black suit in the end of the movie, but then he was back to his blue and red in the epilogue scene where he's supposed to be bad. Well, uh, the epilogue scene where he was supposed to be bad was a continuation of Batman v Superman, yes? So they did have to just, like, make everything the same as that. I, yeah, I, like I said, I just, I, I, that got my attention, too. I thought, of all the choices to make, why not have him be wearing the, the red and blue in his big climactic battle and have him wearing the black in the one where he's the bad guy and he's in mourning? Like, he's mourning the death of Lois Lane slash being controlled, controlled by Darkseid. That's just one thing, though, that, I mean, I know it looks neat, and I know they sell action figures, but <laughs> I, I think, it, like, that's one thing. When you take this wonderful four-hour thing and then you cut it down to a really nice three-hour cut for us, just just give us the, the right suit back. Yeah. Yeah, there's also something to be said. I, I don't know. Is there some motivation in there when he's walking through his his old ship or Fortress of Solitude, wherever he is, and he's hearing Pa Kent and Pa L, I guess. <laughs> and there is there something in there in that dialogue that convinces him to wear a certain suit? I don't know. I I, I can't think to specifically what he's hearing there. Yeah, well, right. And is it con- and wh- is it connected to specifically these n- number of suits? Yeah, I, I'm with. Also, you on does that. he even need a suit? Yeah, for fun to cover up his to cover up his junk. <laughs> I just mean specifically for Superman. He doesn't need a suit, right? He could just well, again, wear clothes. Again, he needs to just not be naked. I mean, yeah. I I assume. Well, for again, first of all, we're trying to justify a choice that was made in a comic book a hundred <laughs> years ago, almost approaching a hundred years ago. Well, right? if you're gonna make a dark and gritty, realistic superhero movie, then you're gonna get dark and gritty, realistic questions. Well, so I I guess I assume that in addition to covering his shame, which by the way, someone needs to finally tell Superman to put his underpants underneath. <laughs> I think that he probably has to have tight fitting clothing for movement purposes right like he's he's you know you're you're fighting bad guys you don't want a baggy stuff to be pulled on you don't want to be wearing a suit and when you reach Mach 2 it get ripped off because of the, you're breaking the sound barrier so i guess uh, for those reasons but like does he need a cape i get well, the tights ha- but does he need a cape maybe ha- there's some sort of krypton the- reason for capes they're really in he has to show the symbol for hope because hope is like a river isn't that <laughs> but it's on his chest <laughs> well was that was that like a weeden cut is that yes. what that was from oh my god that was weeden that's in the the little kids filming him with the okay yeah yeah it's like not quite the opening line but it's it's within the first 45 seconds and for yeah. and as you listeners know that was the moment i decided to start a cringe count 
<laughs> you know what? Didn't have a cringe count for the Snyder Cut. Thought I might need one. Wrote it down on my notes. Didn't uh, didn't put any hash marks beside it. There you go. There you, there's an improvement right there. Is there anything from the Whedon Cut that you would bring back? Mm. Mm. We don't need the brunch joke from oh, no, The Flash. No. That that scene's already kind of funny. It's fun. Like I like I like how Batman's like we're putting together a team, and, and he goes, "I'm in." That's the good joke of yeah. that. There, that. That works. And then like then what? We give Ezra Miller thirty seconds to talk about brunch. Yeah, which yeah. I I guess is because the Flash wants things to go fast. But like, what, I mean, I, in the city, brunch might take more time. But like, I mean, brunch just like going out to any other restaurant. I mean, I guess it could be crowded. I don't know. I don't associate brunch with being that much longer than lunch. I just see it as a thing where they're like, "Hey, Joss Whedon, will you come finish this movie?" He's like, "Oh man, I was I've been waiting for something to use this real incredible brunch thing I thought of." <laughs> I, will, I, I will say this: uh, Whedon cut down the uh, the the Amazon women lighting the the like warning fire scene a ton, and that needed to be cut down. That did not need to be as long as it was. We already got the longer fight scene with the Amazons. We get it; they're sending a warning. Do it. Yeah, that was a point during that whole ceremony where I was like, "Is this something that they like practice on the, on, you know?" <laughs> like, so they, also, they, shouldn't they be like going fast? Like, this is a warning about like, hey, somebody's trying to like destroy the world. I'll admit that because of where that scene was placed in the Snyder Cut, I was confused at first as to what was going on and thought it was a funeral. When then it was like, oh no, wait, actually, there are arrows inside of that. I did appreciate the second arrow in case they missed the first time. There is a second arrow in there. I mean, it's a really hard shot. I mean, it is. It is a hard shot. If I had to pick one thing from the Whedon cut, let me tell you my complicated relationship with the scene where in Batman, or yeah, Bruce Wayne gets the shit kicked out of him. And then there's that scene where he's like pulling up his, you know, like his costume and he's got the bruises on his ribs and like yeah. the lacerations and. I think that that scene is a good scene in any Batman movie. That happens in almost every Batman, right? Where you get to see that like Bruce Wayne isn't super. When he gets hit by a bad guy, it 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 takes a toll on him. I like that. Mm -hmm. And I like that there's that that's the bit of scene where Wonder Woman kind of comes in and says like I'm here to I, you you're right. I'm I need to put the past in the past. I'm here to lead. Except that Joss Whedon wrote it in a way that makes Wonder Woman seem like a bossy bitch. And I and I say that in the negative way that Joss Whedon would say it. That no one asked her to come in and lead, but she just decided she was going to do it. Girl power is the way Joss Whedon would say that because he's an ass. During the Whedon cut, I did like that scene, but I like it in addition to some of the stuff in the Snyder cut. Like I still like that the team decides to bring back yes. Superman instead of in the Whedon cut where it's just Bruce Wayne and uh wonder woman basically yeah, yeah. and in the other one it's the whole team having a discussion so combine those two scenes somehow yeah i think that would be a, a better way to do that i loved them being like or barry allen i thought to to me his character i love ezra miller i thought he was great i loved the way he acted it i liked the way that character was written and i liked him being like we're all thinking it who's gonna say it i'm not gonna say it who's gonna say it i don't want to be the one to say it i like i don't for some reason that just was very charming <laughs> to me i was very charmed by that scene so I know you weren't a fan of Aquaman sitting on the lasso. No, I wasn't. And I'm I, glad they got I, rid of I, it. Well, I will tell you this. I think the actual idea of that is funny and clever. Yes, correct. Make it make it Bruce Wayne. There you go. I've, I liked, as I said to you then, it's not that I thought that it was bad, but the problem was Aquaman was just being the Aquaman we had seen all movie and then they suddenly right. needed to justify it with the lasso. Well, then what was he again? Was he riding around with the lasso in his in his drawers for the rest of the film, and we just didn't see it? Yeah, like it wasn't a. It was a little more crass, but it wasn't enough that you're like that you didn't that you thought what is wrong with right Aquaman? You right just now. thought you're he was like, being oh, the stupid broy character. No, uh, Eric, you're right. Having Bruce Wayne accidentally be lassoed of truth would have been perfect. Yeah, I I like the idea of it. It's a brilliant idea. But yeah, make it Bruce Wayne, pop it in the three hour. I'm on board. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Yep. Can we can we talk specifically about Bruce's dream in the like last sequence of the epilogue? And 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 you know what? So this is this is essentially Zack Snyder uh, 
putting forth his application to continue making these movies by saying, here's the kind of thing I might make if you let me keep making these movies. Uh, how did we feel about the Jared Leto Joker appearance? How did we feel about that interaction? Well, I don't know how much you know about the anti-life equation. Some, but please explain it. <laughs> okay, so the anti-life equation, and they really didn't explain it in the movie. Basically, it's something Darkseid gets to be able to suddenly control any kind of life. He, he basically makes them as puppets at that point. And that's his motivation for going with the mother boxes to different planets because he knows on one of these planets, it's there, the formula or whatever. So he has so, to go and keep taking over these planets, right? Yes. So in, in a world where he's able to do that with Superman, that would force unlikely allies. Yes. Oh, well, I get that I, part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I mean, I well, I dig on it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, I, maybe this the the bigger question is like, how do people feel about Jared Leto's Joker, and how do we feel about it? The the idea that Jared Leto would have been Ben Affleck's Joker at all? Oh, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, Ben Affleck is in Suicide Squad, so we already knew that they were yeah. they linked up that way. I guess he's true. better in this part. It's it's over the top, but I mean, it's Joker. It's better than his Suicide Squad Joker with like the tattoos on the face and like the weird Juggalo gangster thing. <laughs> it seems like a like a poor simulacrum of the Heath Ledger Joker, which obviously we can't have. I get that. That's the the shame of like. Uh, properties that are constantly rebooted like a like a batman and a spider-man is somebody does reboot. it best well and they they feel like they have to do something so opposite that they also throw out the good thing with with coming up with a whole new thing can i tell you that when i saw so willem dafoe is in this version and he wasn't in the original or in the the whedon mm -hmm. cut and when I saw his name in the credits at the beginning, I thought that was Joker. That oh, was yeah, my yeah. thought because Willem Dafoe as Joker is would be awesome, right? Especially like Bruce yeah. Wayne is aged up in this yeah. universe, so the Joker would be aged up. Yeah, it could work. Oh, but man. yeah, he's already he's an Aquaman character. I know. Yeah, well, I figured that out, but then I but I but I was like, oh man! I first the moment was like. Willem Dafoe, I don't remember him. I and I had seen a for a comic book movie, it's a waste of Willem Dafoe. Yeah, of man. what he can do. Oh yeah, any other old guy could play that role. Why right. did you cast Willem Dafoe for that Atlantan? Yeah. Anyway, that was my that was it. I I thought it was just a shame to have Jared Leto delivering what I thought were cool lines very poorly delivered. His Joker doesn't turn me off enough, though, that I wouldn't be excited to see that movie well, if it sure. did get made. And I think he would have done a better job. He was clearly phoning it in for this like scene that he had to film with Zack Snyder during a pandemic, right? Like, and and in fact, didn't they like CGI the makeup on? He didn't even do the make like anything of the real makeup. Okay, right. I was just about to say. I mean, he would have had to commit to putting on that costume and the makeup, but then if they CGI'd it, then yeah, much easier day. I don't think he did. I think that, cause I, there was a, there were a couple of glitchy moments where I, where I went, I think that's CGI. I don't think that's really on his face. Yeah. Uh, I do appreciate that that whole thing finally puts a pin on that weird dream sequence of Batman v Superman. Yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes a sequel will make the movie that came before it better and sometimes it'll make it worse. I'm not saying it's turned Batman v Superman into a good movie, but it's actually added a bit of context. For sure. That's what happens when you let, you know, a guy be in charge of these movies and then in this case basically make two movies at the same time. Similar to I mean we've talked about Back to the Future. That's one of the reasons that trilogy yeah is so good because the, you know it was one idea and then they made this the, the second two at the same time yeah well and and uh you're right especially when you consider the snyder cut of batman v superman in the context of now the snyder cut of justice league he had different ideas in mind and he just wasn't allowed and, and we joked about last week like you know movies have been a certain length forever but I again just the lack of foresight on the on the part of Warner Brothers to not realize like this is a cash cow 
that is being handed to you and you're just going to squander it over and over mm-hmm. and over again. It just, it's clear that they didn't understand what, what they, they had. had. Yeah. Yeah. They, they saw something that was long and they thought, well, it, it has to be able to be made short. Yeah. They didn't, it, it, it seems like they were exec, executives first and not fans. For sure, which is largely going to be the case with a lot of these franchises. You get the sense that the Marvel executives are fans because when they go to a movie, they let people be creative, but they at least they they put the reins on at the beginning. Yeah, they like give them like a here, here, uh, Taika Waititi, write this Thor movie, but you have to include the this, 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 and this, and then we're gonna go over it with you. But we're gonna mostly let you do your own thing. Right. They start with the bullet points, the bullet points instead mm-hmm. of finishing with them. <laughs> yeah, they don't let them make a movie and then give them bullet points. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I I think we've probably said as much as <laughs> as there is to say. Uh, I don't wanna I'll allow you each to speak for yourself, but if I'm if I'm gathering correctly, the consensus is go watch the Snyder Cut of the Justice League and don't let the the length of it put you off. In fact, the length of it is the thing that is excellent. That's what she said. Go ahead. And watch it in parts if you want. Right. When you see a new chapter come up, the, it's cut up fine to, to pause it. If you want to watch it in two parts, uh, I think you guys were pretty close to spot on. It's either, either stop it right when they decide they're going to bring Superman back or stop it right as Superman flies away after their confrontation with him, after they do bring him back somewhere. One of those two stopping points is a good halfway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually about to watch it again with Andrea. She hasn't seen it yet, but she also didn't see the weed and cut. So I'm interested to see somebody's perspective that this is the first way they see it. Yeah. So we're, we're going to watch it episodically. And then I actually think it would kind of be very entertaining that after you see the four hour and that's your first view to then see the weed and cut, I think that'd be hilarious. That's uh, sort of what I did. I wasn't a complete virgin to the weed and cut, but you know, I was, I was only on third base maybe with the weed and cut. So I, I, I still needed to see the whole thing and yeah, watching it. It's, it's crazy how much more it makes you like the Snyder cut after the fact. Laura hasn't seen I well we watched the the Snyder cut together but she never saw the the Whedon cut so I would in fact be interested <laughs> to do that also and go and say to her like hey this is the steaming hot pile of garbage that we missed the first time around so I think that so. viewing requires alcohol <laughs> Well I didn't have it the first time but I might to get through it a second time it might be required yes Oh for sure <laughs> Uh coming up next week is the uh Whedon cut drinking game uh, we will tell you. <laughs> we'll tell Drink you. Drink every time there's a bad joke. Oh no, you die. Oh. <laughs> you die of alcohol poisoning so you fast. You legally can't tell people that. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Nerd Association does not encourage binge drinking in that form, at least. Um, well, uh, that about wraps it up. Eric, thank you once again for joining us today. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for doing two weeks worth of uh, of shows with us. Uh, Eric's latest album is Shipwreck in a Bottle. He's a singer-songwriter. You can find that wherever you find your albums. Go and download it, listen to it on the various streaming services. And uh, always a pleasure, dude. Thank you guys for having me. And if you want to uh, let us know what you thought of the Snyder Cut, give us your observations. What did you like? What didn't you like? You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is nerdassoc. That's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can reach out to us via email. That is nerdassoch at gmail.com. Let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about or even come on and be one of our nerds. Talk about things like uh, DC or Marvel or, I don't know, uh, expert charades, whatever is your thing, man. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.